Hello and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles fearless records Punk Goes series to answer the age-old question, yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting a bit stale, but then it's just such an easy way to ease into it. Yes. I don't know any better. Yes or no, or really no. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Well, you know, somewhere in between. Mm. It's a really lovely, sunny, warm day here. I feel like I'm due for a bit of a kip after this. Maybe that's why I'm not forming complete sentences. Who knows? Well, this week's song being uh, Stars by Hum as covered by Bleeding Through for Punko's 90s Volume 1 really is a song, if it wasn't for some very heavy guitar work, mm. could be a song that you probably could go to sleep to. This is true. Yeah. Maybe try it. And even though he was very relaxed in his own little box, having a sleep himself... He, uh, our cat has decided to join us. He doesn't have any thoughts on the song, though. No. We checked before we started recording. He only listens to Skrillex and Enya together. (laughs) Skrenya. I could picture him listening to that. (laughs) He's the only person in 2020 still listening to dubstep. (laughs) Or or us when we have to do a Breathe Carolina episode. True. (laughs) That was a very good song. I uh, I have to come clean about something. I've uh, started to take on a bit of a transformation mm. over the last few weeks. I've been indulging myself in some triple D, diners, drive-ins, and dives. Oh shit! I've have you wa- really? I've been watching some diners, drive-ins, and dives with the uh, the man himself, Guy Fieri. See, you've been watching that under my nose. I had no idea until right now. I literally, like, so, it's, I'm just watching it on YouTube. Right. And it's just like, if I finish work and I go into the bedroom and lay down on bed, it's like, before I read for a bit, I watch a, you know, couple of snippets. When I go to bed, you know, while you're getting ready, I might watch a, you know, couple of snippets. Okay. Yeah. I feel kind of sad that I wasn't included on this. Would you have wanted no, to be? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. It's very comforting. Like, it's really... I need it right now, so... Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, no pun intended, it's soul food. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that reminds me of the brief patch in high school when I used to read those chicken soup for the soul books. I don't think I realised thoroughly that they were basically just, like, book-long advertisements for Christianity, but here oh, we really? are. really? You know the books, yeah? I know the books, but I didn't know really what was... Well, it was, like, it's just very, like, white America, like... So... Like, Stacy broke her leg, and then this wonderful thing happened, and she uh, healed, okay. and the power of Christ helped. Uh, yeah. I don't know, I can't remember. I borrowed them off a very Christian friend. And I used to just like them because they were nice, but... That would happen going to a uh, Anglican mm. school. Yeah. Yep. 
It's funny those things that you sort of realise, like, years after, you're like, huh, that had a completely different lens on it that I never considered until now. Did it all, like, did it always tie back to Christ? No, but it was just very, that sort of wholesome, like, to me it feels like the book equivalent of, like, when youth kid, youth group people used to come and visit mm. and be like, hey, I'm going to hang out with you at lunch because uh, you guys are super cool. Also, we have this thing that we do every Saturday. Let's rap about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. The, the the guy in his you know, mid to late 30s, he has long hair. He uh, He's like, Jesus would have been a guy who, you know, played on a Fender Stratocaster. He would have really rocked in this day and age. <laughs> it just, yeah. Actually, the more I think about it, like... Man. I remember we had, and they didn't even, because we had a big hall at our high school, and so sometimes bands would come and play on like a Saturday night. Yeah. So One Dollar Short came and played. What? On a, yeah, on a Saturday night. I don't, no, no, 28 Days didn't, but yeah, just, just some bands did. I think Body Jar might have come and played at our high school, you know, on a Saturday night. We had, not on a Saturday night, on like a Wednesday lunchtime, this pop-punk group called Fido, who were from, I think, Frankston, and they were a Christian pop-punk group. Sick. Amazing. And they were not great. No, they were not great. I just remember the guitarist, he strummed not at the pickups, but he strummed at the neck. (laughs) Which is like, how are you getting? How are you getting tone from that? You should be strumming at the pickups. But yeah, that's upsetting. Uh, they were, and they were very much like they they dressed like Blink, but it was very much like, oh hey guys, you know, we we're into this this groovy new thing now. It's called abstinence. And oh he, no. Here's this here's this very nasally song about about it. We're going to sing about it now. Get your purity rings, guys. Oh my god. Well. Like they, they uh, it wasn't like it wasn't but, that on the nose, but it was very much like, you know, hey, we're we're good Christians and we enjoy it's that it was that very cheesy side of pop punk. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can picture it. We've discussed it before. The the you know Friday nights are for you know soft drinks, pizzas, and video games. Which you know that was my Friday nights, but I also worshipped Satan. So amazing. Yeah, you contained multitudes. Yeah, he was my player too. <laughs> We should make that part of our merch. Satan is my player too. Oh, Fuck, that's good. Yeah, I love TM, that. TM, TM, TM. I'm, I'm actually writing it down. <laughs> so, oh, that's kind of sick. Okay, so I'm looking up the Chicken Soup series. So it turns out it isn't as like blatantly Christian as I thought it was. It's just super wholesome, and apparently I just lumped that in with Christianity. Um... I did not realise that Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment trades on the stock market, which is kind of wild. I don't know why. Um, and I would not have expected it. I it just it, like it makes perfect sense the more I read into it. But like looking into one of the founders, Jack Canfield, he is an American author, motivational speaker, corporate trainer, and entrepreneur who also co-authored a book with. Janet Switzer called The Success Principles, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. And Where You Want to Be is a sick album by Taking Back Sunday, so I appreciate the title in part. But, yeah. Apparently, there are 
certain... How many rules are there? Oh, for goodness sake. There are 67 essential principles for attaining goals and creating a successful life. And so is each principle a book? Pardon? Is each principle a book? No, so it's just the one. Like, that's a lot of information to give one person at one time. But essentially, it's like... The book is divided into six sections, says Wikipedia. The fundamentals of success, transform yourself for success, build your success team, create successful relationships, success in money, and success in the digital age. These principles include the fundamentals such as take 100% responsibility for your life, decide what you want and believe it's possible, as well as those aimed at creating better relationships such as keep your agreements and speak with impeccability and tell the truth faster. Canfield also presents ideas that he claims can create success with money, build a successful team, and how to overcome procrastination and get started. So, like, sure. But again, that's a very sort of, um... I can't think of the term, but, like, that's very much, like, on par with, like, the secret in that. Like, that's a very specific genre of... I grew up in a pretty easy middle class upbringing. You can do it too. Yeah. Like, oh man. I was born into wealth. Why aren't you? Exactly. Here's how you can do it. <laughs> Get your parents to loan you lots of money. It was one of my um, one of my favorite things that uh, Ben Shapiro has ever said. He's talking about climate change. And he's like, people are saying, you know, all these climate change activists are saying that you know the world's going to be flooded in twenty oh years. Blah, blah blah. Well, if you've got like a if you've got a, a seashore property, why don't you just sell it? And it's like to who? If it's flooded, <laughs> who are you going to sell that to, Ben? I can't remember who it was, but there was someone like a politician the other day who was like, "Oh yeah, like millennials are worried about like the housing crisis. Just buy a house." It's like, yeah, how? What? Yeah, being being <laughs> being probably a million dollars worth of debt. Sure. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, this isn't a chicken soup podcast. Uh, what's a bet, actually? I'm going to look it up. What's a bet that there is a chicken soup podcast on Spotify? Like chicken soup for your ears kind of thing? Um, we should do an offshoot that's uh, that pairs a bowling for soup song with a different kind of soup each week. Chicken for bowling for soup? Yeah, chicken bowling for... Bowling bo- for chicken soup. Bowling for chicken soup. There that would go. be wonderful, like a pop-punk version of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Fuck off, there is absolutely a podcast for it. Chicken Soup for the Soul with Amy Newmark. That's beautiful. We should get her on the pod. Yeah, I mean, we're we're fellow alumni now on Spotify. There are lots of things about cats on here. <laughs> Cat lovers know that sometimes kittens just... happen. Okay. Um, yeah, um, one day boss is just gonna sit there and then it's gonna be a kitten. <laughs> it just happened. Sometimes those cats and dogs become the best of friends. How did it happen? It just happened. Far out. <laughs> right. Anyway, before we railroad this too much, uh, let's get into hum.
So, I have it written down here. Uh, sometimes we need to we need to go a little bit further than just uh, Wikipedia for our sources, for our information about bands, for something a little bit extra. And so I have gone on to the HUM website, which is http uh, colon forward slash forward slash h hyphen u hyphen m dot net slash bio slash. Oh no, that was the bio page. So just dot net. <laughs> Uh, just for those of you playing at home who were desperate to read along with us. Oh, it's and, but the funny thing is, so I I googled Hum and their their page was about fifth down from a bunch of other different pages. Mm-hmm. So like Wikipedia was the first page. Yeah, I think there might have been a Discogs page about them, and then like almost to the bottom of the page was them, okay. their their own actual website. At least it was on the front page, I guess. Uh, so. I have written here that the bio on the website is exceedingly verbose, and if Wonderful. you will allow me to do a dramatic reading of it, I will gladly uh, steer this uh, ship and yeah, read this because it's just I was chef's in- kiss. I was intrigued because I saw your notes, obviously, so I've deliberately not read the bio. Yep. So yeah, excited to hear it. So you're all going to because obviously I'm probably like the third person to maybe on the hum website. So. <laughs> I'd like to think not, but okay. So, <clears throat> Hum's sonic universe is a solipsistic world that exists on its own terms, a maelstrom of sensations and colours, a thick metallic vortex of fuzz-toned guitars with a silent core at the centre like the eye of a hurricane. Equal parts homegrown and high-tech, Hum serves up a cacophony of overlapping harmonics and dense shards of electric guitars providing a counterpoint to Talbot's tales of innocence corrupted and love lost, the past mourned, the theories of physics and relatively and relativity applied to modern day relationships and contemporary attitudes. Uh, Talbot is Matt Talbot, the lead singer. Mm-hmm. Hum takes you on an interior journey that encompasses the gnarled rhythms and magic melodies of coming home, the rumble in the jungle of Isle of the Cheetah, tripping through the salamander-infested waters of Afternoon with the axolotls, and the back-to-nature-d evolution of If You Are to Bloom and Green to Me. Eschewing individual personalities to the whole, Hum is much, much more than the sum of its young, fast, and scientific parts. We are democratic to a fault, says Matt. We barely function sometimes because if one guy doesn't like a part, even if the other three do, we'll rework the idea until we're happy with it. That's why it took so long to finish this album. Hum's songs are raw shark tests, with Talbot preferring to leave their interpretation open to the listener, though he will admit they're mostly just love songs when you break them down. Abstract lyrics jump out from concrete... Abstract lyrics jump out to form concrete images. I'm thinking of a number between everything and two, sings Matt on Apollo, a song about a woman who'd most certainly not prefer an astronaut, but a companion more down to earth with his feet on the ground. It's molecules of you. Hum break down personal relationships into their physical components and turn those particles into whole songs. You could say, Hum, we're the thinking man's rock band, though not to their face. We don't take ourselves very seriously, but we take what we do pretty seriously, insists Matt. I like the way it feels here coming down. Like a camera obscura, freezing an image for eternity, Hum is all about turning space-time and its continuum continuum upside down rethinking rock and roll in a new light turning emotions into a nuclear fission of colors sounds feedback and trance and dance 
come be dropping some mad science. Wow. So, in short... These are like everyone I went to school with who just was the most annoying person. Like, well, actually... In lay terms, Hum is an alternative rock band from Champaign, Illinois they formed in 1989. Jesus. (laughs) What the fuck was that? And it's so funny because you read that... Like, what was the line? It was like, they're, they're more than what they were when they were younger or something. Basically, Stars was their hit. And I feel like Matt Talbot is basically being like, yeah, we hate that song. We're bigger than that. And why, like, we're, we're more than just one song. Far out. Yeah. I want to know who wrote that because I'm wondering if Probably this is... Probably Matt Talbot. Yeah. You look, you... If you look at the website, like, his... Because it's also got bios about each band member, which I right. didn't read. Yeah, I, no, we don't need to go He's got that. four paragraphs. Then everyone else has two, except for the drummer, who has one. Oh my goodness. Brian St. Pair. Born what? April 2nd, 1969. Brian is Hum's second drummer. Legend has it that Matt overheard Brian playing along to some Police and or Rush songs on his drums and asked him to join the band. He also filled in as the drummer for Castor for a short stint. Brian, having moved to Indiana for a pharmaceutical job, is now married and has two children. So, good lord. Even that is, like, within the framework of Matt. It's like, Brian was born here. Matt discovered him when this happened. It's so Matt. Matt probably learnt Python and has coded the website and he's... He took a... I mean, I, I can't really make fun of it because I did a creative writing course myself, but, you know, took a creative writing course and, and whipped out that th- that thesaurus. I was almost going to say thesaurus. Thesaurus. That. God. What is it about these kinds of, like, flash-in-the-pan bands and their, like, ridiculous bios? Because remember that other one? Yeah. Daphne Loves Derby? Yeah. Oh, my God. How funny is that? Like... Yeah, you had one, one hit, and 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 do you, like looking through it. Does it feel like they're definitely like they don't mention stars at all? Does it feel like they're definitely maybe a little bit, you know? And by they, I mean Matt. Does it feel like Matt is maybe a little bit jaded towards stars? Maybe. I'm still thinking that that is a fan who wrote that. Maybe, but either way, it's just gross it can only be one of two people it can only either be matt talbot the lead singer and guitarist or a yeah diehard fan mm. who's who's written that up yeah i mean maybe maybe like a, an agency of some sort i guess but no because i'm like looking on twitter so hum have hum band official is their handle but then there's also mission control which is h underscore u underscore m so like god I just, it's not hard to set up just a basic, like, online profile for yourself. It doesn't need to be, like... We are, we are, hum, we formed in this year from this place, and this is what we do. Uh, it's so annoying. <laughs> I knew, I knew I had to do it without you reading it beforehand. You'd, yeah, I would have I absolutely had to get a mixed it. Yeah. yeah, I would have had to get a reaction from you. Man. But I was just reading that going... Holy fuck. <laughs> it, oh. So, alright, so more about the band. Uh, the band formed after vocalist Matt Talbot and guitarist Andy Switsky met in a cafe striking up a conversation about music. All these people that seem to just 
meet in weird I, places I love and it. just strike up conversations. I'm also sad because it was Champaign, Illinois, that it wasn't, you know, Seattle. Yeah, true. That would have been very, very fitting. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I've literally never just... Uh, actually, no, that's a damn lie because that's how I met Richard. I was like, I've literally never met someone who just like struck up a conversation. But that's exactly how I met friend of the pod, Richard S. He. But you met Richard because he was playing music. He this played, is true. He played a Fallout Boy song. When he <laughs> was done, you were like, oh, hey, man, that was awesome. It wasn't... It seems like, by reading that, it seems like they were just, like, you know, in coffee shop together. And maybe... In coffee shop. In coffee shop. And maybe Matt Talbot wore shirt. And Andy Switsky liked shirt. Stra- yeah. Look, maybe that's enough, I guess. Actually, no, that, yeah. The more I think about it, it's like, I met my high school best friend properly when we both, like, exclaimed the same thing at once in PE class, and we were like, oh, ha. Um, <laughs> so, I guess it makes sense. But yeah, it always just feels very convenient. Like, we were just in some cafe somewhere, and then we started talking about music, and here we are. It's just mm. like, literally, what are the chances? Anyway. Or, like, you meet at a Black Flag show. Yeah. Which is sick, I guess. And talk about your girlfriends. I don't know why I found this interesting, but I have it written down that at one point they were going to record a cover of the Police song Invisible Sun for the X-Files Flight the Future film soundtrack. Uh, that was a song that they used to actually play live. Mm-hmm. The Invisible Sun. It was... Yes. Fuck, sorry. That's uh, yeah. all right. So, yeah. I can't think of that song, Invisible Sun. No, neither do I. I. Neither can I. I think it's probably... Look, I know the hits. Hang on. And that's about it. Like, yeah, it's probably a deep cut. Um, yeah, knowing them. Oh, you probably never... <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's terrible. Would they be the I'm kind of band nice. that... Um, would they be the kind of band that might, you know, pull someone up who's wearing a shirt of a favourite band of theirs and be like, name 10 songs... Oh, I'm not being very fair at the moment. That's, you know, neither am I. Hang on, let me have a look. I don't know. It's kind of cool, though. Yeah. Okay, good for them. It's kind of, yeah, cool sort of post-punk, I guess. That's what post-punk is. I still don't really know what post-punk or post-hardcore sounds like. Me neither. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, the... the Well, not the police, but unfortunately, Sting and... Um, yeah, Sting decided to record a reggae cover of the song, and they used that instead. <laughs> Classic Sting manoeuvre, just like, fucking get in the way. Well, it's either... Yeah, I imagine probably they went to him first. He was like, no... I don't really want to do that. I just want to meditate and have tantric sex. And then they were like, okay, well, Hum does a, does a cover of this live. Let's get them to record a cover of it. They recorded it. We're probably ready to go. And then Sting came back from, like, having sex for about 24 hours straight. <laughs> and he was like, actually, I just got back from Jamaica. Let's do a reggae cover of it. Oh, man. I, I, don't, I don't think that's how Sting sounds, but that's how my Sting sounds. It sounds a lot like um the Beatles. Yeah. Just any of them. <laughs> I've completely blanked on probably Ringo. Ringo? I can nah. kind of I can kind of get Ringo because of Thomas. 
Yeah. And John Lennon kind of had this sort of voice. That's right, he did too. <laughs> I don't love my son, Julian. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't tell you what George Harrison or Paul, Paul McCartney sounds like. <laughs> the only thing I know of... Was it... Oh, which one does Homer meet? George, George... Harrison. Oh, what a lovely fellow. <laughs> Maybe I do know George, because I think George Harrison... Yeah, George Harrison... They got every Beatle except for John Lennon, because he was already dead at that point. So yeah, Could that... be a reason why you can't get him on, I guess. Hello, hello, Homer. I'm George Harrison. Oh my god! <laughs> George Harrison was also in Wings. Oh, of course. Wait, wasn't that Paul McCartney's band? Maybe it was Paul McCartney's band. Yeah, I think, no, it was Paul McCartney's band. If Jordan is listening, friend of the pod, Jordan Banks, aka Era Jordan, we apologise for not knowing jack shit about the Beatles. I only know this because of the song Live and Let Die. Yeah. Which, let's be fair, I think is their biggest song. That is an excellent song. It is an excellent song. But do you remember the the bridge part of it where it goes into like a reggae song? And apparently it was like, apparently it was like, oh, me and Linda really got into reggae music. So we decided to put in a a little bit of of reggae just here. Oh, white people just need to cool it. Like... What was the other, what was the George Harrison supergroup that he did with, like, Elvis Costello? Was it the Moody Blues? It was heaps of like, Tom Petty was in it. Hang on, hang on. Um, oh, it was, it was huge. George Harrison. I don't know why I thought it was Wings. Tom Petty. Travelling Wilburys. Travelling Wilburys. okay. Yeah, there you go. Well, there you go. I was say the Hoodoo Gurus, but that's not them. (laughs) No. Yeah, the Travelling Wilburys, there you go. I've seen the Hoodoo Gurus, or at least the front man of the Hoodoo Gurus live, and it was great. Yeah? Yeah, my sister and I went to one of the Rockwiz live at the bowl events that they did. Um, yeah, and afterwards they did a little mini set. It was very fun. Cool. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen exactly two acts at the at the Sydney Maya Music Bowl. Yeah, Blink and... Jack Johnson and Ben Harper. <laughs> I think I've told the story you about, have. on this. Yeah. I do love that story a lot. <laughs> All right. So, Stars is the second single from their 1995 album, You'd Prefer an Astronaut. Of course they... Don't speak it. for me. Of course yeah. they'd name it something like that. Uh, according to Genius, the reference to missing the train to Mars and counting stars is referencing the person missing a tremendous opportunity and she's compla- contemplating what if. Okay. Yep. Sure. So the album sold more than 250,000 copies, mm-hmm. and in 2008 the song played on an ad for car ma- manufacturer Cadillac, giving the song another 25,000 digital sales. Okay. Yeah. Good on them. Yeah, yeah. sort of had like a bit of a... It did have a little bit of a resurgence, because in the same year, yep. uh, it was also on the uh, one of the radio stations for the video game Saints Row 2, ah. which it's basically... So it's like... And it, that, that in 2008 it was also the year of GTA 4. Right. And so Saints Row was another open world sandbox game. Very much, it's it's GTA. Yeah. But basically, people love GTA 4. I didn't really get into it. The cars handled like shit. The, the, the character was kind of depressing. It went for just a more, much more serious tone. Right. And there was very little to do besides do your missions. Right, okay. Whereas, and Saints Row 2, when they promoted it, they were like, ha ha, we've got minigames in this. 
you can do and it was literally they said like you can do more than just bowling because it was the two mini games you could do in gta 4 were bowling and darts oh my gosh and it was like we can do more than just bowling but you couldn't actually bowl in that game but in, yeah in in saints row 2 okay and so I, I do have a I do have a list of the like the radio stations. Yeah. I'm not going to go through all of them, but let's do it. I uh, remember when I first met you, you were into Saints Row. That would have been what three? Yeah, Saints Row three came out the year that we were together. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's just a, it's a silly fun game. Yeah. But this, so this is the it was on the the radio station that they called Crunch, spelled with a K. Sick. And this was some of the other bands that were on there. Trivium with their song Anthem. Avenged Sevenfold, uh, Bat Country, Colony of Birchman by Mastodon, Milk Lizard by Dillinger Escape Plan, uh, Ghosts of Perdition by Opeth, uh, Resurrection by Chimera, What a Horrible Night to Have a Curse by The Black Dahlia hey, Murder. Hey, there you go. Redneck by Lamb of God, Deadly Sinners by Three Inches of Blood, Barn Burner by The Agony Scene, and then <laughs> Woman by Wolfmother. One of the, these things is not like the others. Well, two of these things is not like the others. Hang so on. yeah, Woman by Wolf Mother and Stars by Hum. See, I also left out yeah. um, Unsung by Helmet and uh, one of the. It's okay. As I lay dying songs. Um, it kind of makes sense to like. It's sort of left of center. Like it's not. Well, I guess to use Saints terminology, it's not crunch material necessarily, but it's got the same sort of bones to it yeah i don't know but that was i mean that was the first place i had heard of it um heard the song this is a very cool like even just the underground stuff like deer hunter fucking who else architects tokyo police club oh and then gen x that yeah yeah, gen x (laughs) do you want to read gen x i will because this makes me They've definitely, like, Gen Gen X is not correct. It should be Gen Y, but that's fine. One of these songs could definitely go in crunch, and then stars could be, like, taken down to Gen X. So I'm picking its Deftones? It's Deftones. Yeah. Yeah. So Saints Row 2. 2? 2. The Gen X radio station. All that I've got by the used. Sick. Lying is the most fun you can do with your clothes on. No. Oh, what's it? I'll just say the short title. Lying is the most fun by Panic at the Disco. Rock and Roll Queen by The Subways, which is sick. That's a good song. Teenagers by My Chemical Romance, sick. Hate, I Really Don't Like You is how it should be spelled um, or written by our friends The Plain White Tees. Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is by Jet. (laughs) Sucks. Nights by Minus the Bear. Let Me In by Hot Hot Heat. Make Damn Sure by Taking Back Sunday. Absolutely sick. Face Down by Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, also sick. And Misery Business by Paramore. A couple of other ones that I don't really care about. How many of those songs were just 2008 to a T? Oh, it's like, so good. I mean, Red Jump- the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus song was a couple of years old by that point, but it was... like That was huge. Mm. A huge song. Misery Business was so 2008. Even though I think, again, that was probably a couple about, of, yeah, yeah, it was about a year old, I think, at that point. Definitely a time, though. My goodness. I know. Like, they, they had a, a actual, like, pretty decent set of, uh, set of songs there for their radio stations. Yeah. And then, I think, I can't, no, I think it was Saints Row 3, it was like, 
Oh, it was. It would. They basically did it as a joke. It was like a classical music station. So it was like you can get in a tank and destroy like all these cars and all that while you're listening to Bach. Soothing. <laughs> uh, so I always. I also didn't mention because I skipped over to Saints Row Two. The song reached number eleven on the Billboard Alternative Songs chart. Nice. In their initial promotion of the song, Hum appeared on Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Mm-hmm. I had the box set but i was not going to sift through all of it for probably a two minute interview yeah uh and the video also played on beavis and butthead during one of their music video sections so the segment lasts all of 37 seconds with the main <laughs> the main characters change the station thinking the song is over oh <laughs> Hey, but is it normal for the inside of your bunghole to itch? <laughs> Whoa, is this video over? Yeah, yeah, it's over. Well, that was pretty cool. I mean, it sucked, but at least it was short. They should make them all this short. Yeah, really. And you wouldn't have to listen to them as much. What else is on? I was literally feeling so proud of myself because that was going to be a bit. Is like, imagine if it was just that first bit yeah. and fade out and then like end of song. <laughs> and Beavis and Butthead beat me to it. So that makes me feel, I don't know. By, by probably like 25 years. <sighs> but like, like, you had the idea. You didn't see, <laughs> you didn't see Beavis and Butthead do it. So This is true, but, oh man, <laughs> I feel like a dum-dum. <laughs> What and I mean, I think they probably like to think they're that smart. But imagine if it was like actually you could play it backwards and it was a song, and that was the end. The start was the end. If you know what I mean, do you get what I mean? No. So if you played the song backwards, it's actually forwards, right? So the way that it starts kind of sounds like an end. Okay, but that would mean that everything was reversed, not just chopped and yeah. put in a reverse order. So maybe like the, the song, the music is reversed, but not the lyrics, is what I'm saying. The vocals. That would sound horrific. No. Could be interesting. <laughs> just It's just the instruments, not the... Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. That's, that's something you could spend an afternoon on. Oh. For science. Is it really worth it? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, all I, you can just reverse stuff in uh, in Audacity. All I would need is just the the karaoke version of this song, <laughs> and I could just reverse it. <laughs> like that time I did the Punk Ghost Pod intro reversed, and you had none of it. You were having none. A cursed piece of audio. <laughs> so, what do you think of Stars by Hum? Hum. Hume with a umlaut. Hume. Um, it de- I mean that that start is definitely like incredibly unique. Mm. Yeah, it's. Um, I said to you before even seeing the film clip because you watched the film clip before I did. Yep. And I said, I think I just said, "What's the bet that they've got a weird color saturation on this thing?" Absolutely, they do. And you were like, "Yep, they do." That was the nineties. What else were you going to do? It was the 90s. They were a semi-grunge band, kind of grunge band. Yeah. Grunge-influenced. Yeah. I I have a thing. Uh, basically, I've, I've got it written down as well. Would make sense, because they're both from... Well, 
Illinois, Chicago, mm-hmm. what was the big Chicago band in the 90s? Would be one Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, like, just the fuzz guitars and their stuff. Their guitar tone sounds strikingly similar to to Smashing Pumpkins in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that was more... Although 1989... I don't know what year Smashing Pumpkins got started, but that would be probably around about the same time as one another. I think so. So, I mean, they probably played together and there probably was a bit of, you know, not taking from Smashing Pumpkins, but who knows? Um, Well, one of them was the Beavis and Butthead of the situation and the other one was me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's funny, like... When we knew that this song was coming up and I was like, I don't think I know that. And you're like, oh yeah, I think once you listen to it, you will. I can't tell if I did know it or if it just feels like a sort of identikit of like 90s music. Like, yeah, it feels familiar, but I don't know if it actually is or if it just sort of feels like a feeling of listening to something from the 90s. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it definitely... It's one of those things, I think I've said it before about things like, this could only exist in the early 90s. Yeah. I feel. Um, like, it's definitely, as I said, like, that that beginning is incredibly unique, and it actually makes the, when the guitars kick in with the distortion, it really does give it quite an effect. Like, it really does kick it in the ass a bit. Yeah. And yeah. then it just kind of stops again. Yeah. And then it picks up again. It's one of those ones where, and don't get me wrong, like, I enjoy it, but I want something more out of it. Yep. Like, I even just want the vocals to go a bit harder than they do, and they just don't. See, I I like the vocals. Same. I, I don't think he sounds... It could be... You could really easily misinterpret it as he sounds bored. I don't think he sounds bored. I think he's trying to sound sort of dreamy. Yeah, you know, yeah, and and I, I do like that. But if if this was a Smashing Pumpkin song, you'd have Billy Corgan's vocals, yeah, and, and that would really that would give it that thing that makes it feel really special, yeah. Because uh, Billy Corgan, you know, is a very he's a very unique vocalist. Mm. Um, yeah, he's a fantastic vocalist. Boss is really twitching in his sleep. He Aww. must be he must be dreaming. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you though. Like, I definitely feel like there's something that I just need and it's it's like a lot of the elements about this makes it kind of a metal song right but like his vocals brings it back to not being that it, it makes me think of the this is fine meme the, <laughs> the dog sitting at the table drinking a coffee while everything around it burns it feels kind of like that like this everything like chaotic around everything it. is chaotic around Matt Talbot and then He's just, he's there and he's, he's still, you know, he's not giving in to the, the hectic nature of it. I'm not going to say it's hectic. It's not like that, but it's, yeah. I do like that, like juxtaposition. Cause I hadn't really yeah. considered it like that because to me it's very, I guess, representative of just like that kind of almost shoegazy, but not because it's mm. not that um, abstract, but like. Yeah. Fuzz guitars, lots of distortion, and then just... Like, and not in a shit way. Like, I enjoy it. Mm. But it makes sense. 
and I think they've they've definitely done the the levels really well because any lower and he'd be pulled out of it. Yeah, the, everything else would overpower him. Whereas it doesn't feel like he's overpowered by no. by what's happening. No, in the uh, in the instrumentals, I feel dumb for not having listened to it ahead of, but I would like to listen to more of them, like the album that this came from. Um, you'd prefer you'd an astronaut. Prefer an astronaut. I feel like I couldn't find that on Spotify. They're, I don't think they're on Spotify. That's the thing. I. Interesting. Because I I searched stars, I searched hum, the the covers on there, but yeah, I couldn't actually, and I don't think that one that you've got is the same hum. Right. Okay. That's interesting. But ah, oh, so hang on. No, this is them. Oh, is it? Yep. But it just yeah, again, it's not. Is it kind of like Harvey Danger? How they didn't have. Yeah, flagpole sitter on their page, even though that was their their song, their biggest hit. That's yeah. So the earliest stuff is "Downward Is Heavenward" from nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, so it's not on there. I don't know. It's one of those ones. Like, if I saw it at JB for like ten bucks, I'd pick it up mm-hmm. just for kicks. See Listen what it's to it like. in the car for like a, on a sort of trip somewhere. Frisbee it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's terrible. I don't know. Um, yeah, I could see myself enjoying them, but then I'm not 100% sure. I'm also, like, listening to this, I'm not at all shocked that they're kind of up their own ass about <laughs> yeah. their talents and their yeah. everything, like, oh, you know, like, you know, the stuff that they write, is it supposed to be so, you know, metaphorical or, you know, transcendental or whatnot? It's, yeah... Like, even, like, the lyrics and stuff, just the annotations on Genius are really interesting because there's... It definitely feels like Death of the Author. Like, people are putting a heap of meaning on the stuff where it might not be. Like, yeah. uh, where are we? So, verse two. I found her out back sitting naked, looking up and looking dead. A crumpled yellow piece of paper with seven nines and tens. She was alone, and this is a genius annotation by two contributors, Ruru Rahura and Valerie Sasa. She was alone with her thoughts and possibly on drugs. Sure. Nines and tens is a defensive strategy in the card game Bridge. It provides a way to communicate with your partner that you have no trump card, cards in hand without speaking. But then the paper is yellow to show her cowardice. It contains a list of her personal faults or is a suicide letter that she can't bring herself to share. Like, mm. where do you get that from? And I wasn't getting suicide from the no. lyrics. I was getting more... I was just getting dreamy. Well, dreamy, but I was also getting sort of like that unattainable thing, whether it's a goal or whether it's, you know... Yeah, like I was just getting this sort of... Almost like seeing the forest for the trees, you know, trying to get to Mars, but you're looking at the stars, like... Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't getting suicide from it, though. Yeah. I know that it was, you know, during the time of grunge and everything was sad back then, but... Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of feels like something you'd listen to if you... And I couldn't tell you what it feels like, but, like, something you'd listen to while you were tripping on something. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. I want to just really briefly mention how, like, we talk about the, you know, 
really sort of saturated color palette for the film clip mm. and how that was a very common thing like saturated or like sepia tone or just different color schemes for uh, for film clips obviously because you know video cameras had just sort of started to do those uh i remember my brother had a video camera and you could do things like yes yeah, sepia tone and like it's like pastel and all that sort of stuff Aww, but cool. um but yeah it's just funny that you then like almost as soon as we reached the year 2000 everything was colorful like, yeah it, and everything was clear yeah there wasn't really that you know fuzziness to your to your filter anymore yeah yeah no it's interesting yeah Yep. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about bleeding through. Sure. through formed in a pivotal year for pop culture in general 1999 and they hail from orange county california uh they managed to blend managed in past tense are they still around they broke up or they were on hiatus and they've they've gotten back together okay so in terms of their sound they blend influences of hardcore punk symphonic black metal and melodic death metal they are currently signed to Sharp Tone Records alongside alumni such as Don Broco, Amua, and We Came as Romans. Uh, lead vocalist and only original member Brandon Shapati had this to say when asked about the band being labelled as metalcore. I think we're a hardcore band and I'll never say we are a metal band. We're all hardcore kids and we came from the hardcore scene. Ours is just a different version of hardcore. We're trying to do something which adds a different variety to the hardcore scene, which has been sounding the same way for so long. Okay, mate. So he's, he's very critical of the hardcore scene, but, oh no, don't call us metal. We're it, still in the hardcore scene. Also, it's like, who gives a shit, yeah. honestly? And that's like... We'll, we'll get into it later. I'll let you finish the uh, the stats. So their 2006 album, The Truth, received a 4K rating in the British music magazine Kerrang!, so Sam noted, and it's funny, like, I remember reading Kerrang! as a kid and just being like, yep, but, like, instead of stars, they measured them by Ks, by and Ks. so I yeah. would feel very bad for any bands whose records got a 3K rating. Yeah. Because that does not look good on paper. No. I wonder if they just avoided it. Like, there's no three. You're either one, two, four, or five. Yeah, or three point like they probably just did point five either side of like. Yeah. Uh, Mick Kenny of Anal Nathrak. Yeah, Anal Nathrak. Nice. Uh, once performed as their live guitarist, and Australian musician and founding member of I Killed the Prom Queen, Jonah Weinhoffen. Weinhoffen played for the band between two thousand seven and two thousand nine. 
Uh, but ultimately he left because he was homesick and disillusioned with living in the US. Which was funny because then I think very, very quickly he went to England to play with Bring Me the Horizon for a oh, while. Oh, okay. Jeez. Um, that was that was kind of huge in my mind that he went and played with them with um, Bleeding Through, not so much Bring Me the Horizon because I was never a Bring Me the Horizon fan. But just because I, I was a very big Bleeding Through fan. Yeah. Um, in high school, I have like three or four of their CDs and I was also a very big I Killed the Prom Queen fan. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it was just like, oh wow, that's that's awesome. Nice. Yeah, and then he left and then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really have much familiarity with Bleeding Through. Again, like, I know them by name and that's about it. I And I'm, I'm gonna come back around, Brandon, and just say, I'm so fucking sorry but your band is a fucking metalcore band. Like, just... <laughs> to just deal with it like it's a fucking metalcore band it's one of those things it's like just don't get bogged down in genre like if people think it's metalcore but they love it like who cares yeah exactly like it's i know i know that it's like oh yeah but like we grew up in the hardcore scene we can't and that's the thing about like hardcore and metal it's like we can't branch away from our path but it's like like, but did you know that you actually can but you can and it's a you're a fucking metalcore band yeah who gives a shit (laughs) at the end of the day it's a label. Yep. Yeah, it's a label. But yeah, as I said, I was uh, I was very big into this band. Um, one of the first sort of, I'm not gonna. They were sort of extreme metal, but like one of the first bands that I listened to that was heavy that also incorporated piano in their music. Ah, like cool. they had, yeah, their their pianist mm-hmm. Marta. Um, yeah, it was always uh, like just super, super duper heavy. Cool. With yeah, this these really symphonic, yeah, keys. It's like them and Dimmu Borga were the first you know sort of bands that introduced me to both elements. Oh, cool. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, what do you think of Bleeding Through's cover? Because honestly, I cannot distinguish it from Hum. It's a bit look. It's a bit heavier. It has a bit more of their crunch yeah. to it, but it's not still doesn't like if you told me it was bleeding through i'd be shocked right Um, okay and especially like they they have had kind of ballady songs like one of the Mm. things about them was you know he would scream or he does scream and sings clean okay so he has like he has a good voice a good clean singing voice you know that's what he does in this song he doesn't scream at all um but yeah i i was not the sort of like giant fan where i could distinguish his voice i could pick his voice out yeah from anyone else's yeah so i would maybe you know if i'd heard it without thinking about it i might just think it's a more kicked up version of hum's version yeah like if hum had just sort of recorded it with a bit more of a an oomph to it and like to its detriment in fact his vocals i feel have been pulled pulled down in volume he he does get bogged down by the music right like the, that overpowers what he's doing yeah and yeah it's sort of hard to hear what he's you know hard to hear him sing yeah in my opinion no that that's the thing like you know what they usually sound like so you can actually mm. attest to like can you picture a version of this where they do add more of a bleeding through like flavor to it it's hard. This would be a really hard song to turn into a metalcore version. Mm. This would be, or like, 
anything other than what it is. Yeah. I can look, I can see acoustic versions. That would be Yep. Simple. Um Yeah, it would be really hard. Yeah. It's you know, probably no, I'm not saying I'm not saying they're phoning it in, but sometimes sometimes the easier job is to just do it like it is. I don't like it when bands do that, but I mean like it's sort of like on one hand it's yeah, it feels like it could be phoning it in, but then on the other maybe they do stick so true to it because that's what is so special about it to them. Like And that's the thing, it might be a really special song yeah. to them. You know, we've we've got it we're not, you know, playing the songs, but it seems to be something that maybe like hardcore, you know, scene bands yeah. have taken on because, you know, if you find on YouTube Finch covered mm-hmm. it for Jimmy Kimmel Live in like 2003. Yep. And I think uh, they play it online. Not online. I think they play it on stage. Oh, wow. Okay. In, yep. their, in their set, or, the, or at least they did. Uh, Evergreen Terrace as well, who we spoke about in the uh, Foo Fighters episode. There's like the other cover. Yeah. Um, they do a version of it. And they do a version that sticks closer to them. Yeah. It is more of a, it is more of a hardcore version. Yeah. And it does incorporate... You know the clean vocalist and the screaming vocalist, and mm. and I could listen to because again, Evergreen Terrace was another band that I listened to quite a bit. Yeah, I could listen to the and I don't know their names, but I could listen to the the clean singer who is also the guitarist. Mm-hmm. I could listen to him and go, "That's Evergreen Terrace," right? And then the then the screamer comes in, probably because it's his only job is to be the <laughs> screamer. Yeah, and so he's you know he has to fulfill a job. Yes, uh, but like they also have their sort of this signature guitar sound and everything as well. I can I can pick that out above bleeding throughs. Yeah. Version. Yeah. Yeah, it was I was I when when we were looking through the list I was like, "Oh wow, like we get to talk about bleeding through and they're doing stars." That's mm. cool. And then listening to it it's and I'm not like a, I'm not super disappointed or anything. It's just it's another cover that sounds like the original. It yeah, it just kind of it's a sound alike to me, which it's not bad. But I'd prefer to just listen to the original if yeah. this one is so close to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things as well. It's like, you know, it's a, a band that I used to find really special. Mm. And I'd love to say, oh, yeah, listen to the, the cover over the original. But I've stated that there's there's things about the original that are done better yeah. than the cover. You know, like, like Matt Talbot's lyrics of vocals are not, you know, they're not sucked under vortex of you know heavy guitars and bass and drums and also you've got a keyboard player you got a pianist in your band like let her do something yeah let her let her like show something in it like mm. she's there use her yeah no it would be cool like it's 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 you know like all of their songs used used it to some degree like use it I'm like, yeah mm. i don't know that might also be because when I was a teenager, I crushed on her pretty hard. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> so, hell yeah, yeah nah, hell nah. What's the final decision for you? No, look, I'm I'm still going to stick to, like, I'm going to say hell yeah for hum. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, sure. A, a, a hell yeah for bleeding through as well. Even if it just... Even if you just listen to it and go, okay, well, let's see what this band is all about, because they're drastically different to this. Yeah. Even their their 
softer, like, ballady songs are drastically different to this. Yeah. And I needed that. I wanted... I wanted their... I wanted their sound on this, and it just isn't there. I think... Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there for me. Is like, as someone who hasn't listened to them and listening to you talk about what they usually sound like and what resonates with you, like, it's a shame that this doesn't give that preview of what they're... Because yeah. to me, that's sort of partly the purpose of, like, a comp album is, oh, hey, this cover's really good. I'm going to check out their other stuff. Yeah. Whereas if I had done that and I'm greeted with something very different, then... So maybe it's just a year for me. Oh, I don't mean to. <laughs> no, but I no, but like I said it and then when I started talking about it more and more I was like, yeah, maybe it's just a year. I'm going to say a yes. And what about hum? Uh, probably a yes. So not a hell yeah. Well, like a yes but with an exclamation point. Yes. Yes. Um cuz yeah, I still can't decide if I love it or if it just Again, it feels like just a mishmash of, like, Smashing Pumpkins, whoever else. And I like it because it evokes that sepia-toned, weird, filtery sort of Mm. universe for me. I think, in my opinion, it was like, well, Smashing Pumpkins got out of Illinois or Chicago. Yeah. I don't think Hum did. I think, like, they appear to still have, like... I think they have still captured, like, a relatively young fan base. Like, I think they're still getting new fans. But again, it just, it feels so specific. And it might be with the help of, you know, Saints Row 2 and that Cadillac commercial. Like, people, like, going, oh, cool, what's this? For the longest time, I had this confused with Rock and Roll Queen. Which... Huh, okay. Yeah, because that is also on Saints Row 2. It was also on this other video game, came out the same year as well, called Pure which was a quad bike racing game. I feel for the Subways, because that kind of was their one song. Well, I mean, this was Hum's one song. True. That was a a sick song. Like, if we ever talk about that. Yeah. No, I remember it took off potentially in part because of the OC. Because they had the Subways, they played at the bait shop. So were they, like, a 90s band, early 2000s band? 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. 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 Oh, let's listen to some subways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, what are we doing next week? We are looking at the song Kryptonite, and in parentheses, I'm on it, by Purple Ribbon All Stars, as covered by Emmanuel for Punk Goes Crunk. Mm. Um, and that's about all there is for this week, I guess. Um, That'll do it. Yeah. No, I'm going to go have a nap now, I think. Cool. All right. Bye. Bye.